Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cutting Try Stories. Write copy that feels good. It's the no fluff copywriting podcast that teaches you to write copy you can feel good about and gets you more clients along the way. I'm your host, Jayati Bora, and I'm here to give you a shot of masala for your writing, a way for business owners like you to write copy your way, in your voice, with practical writing tips you can put into action right away. Let's find your words together. I am so excited to welcome our first guest of the season, Rina Parikh. Rina is a business owner. She's a pre- and postpartum fitness specialist, a speaker, and a mental health advocate. And I asked her to be on the podcast because I love her Instagram feed, and I think you will too. And I just knew she would have some great insights to share with us today. Thank you so much, Rina, for being here on Cutting Dry Stories. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. So I don't remember how I first came across your Instagram account, but what struck me about it is just how real you are on there. It doesn't feel airbrushed. It doesn't feel divorced from who you are as a person, your journey, your beliefs about women's bodies and mental health, your politics. It's not about the grid and it's not about Lululemon tights. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. It wasn't always like that, though. Yeah, but that's actually a great place to start because... I think if you look at um, if you look at your feed now, it can seem very intimidating because it's you know you have nine thousand plus followers, you have a ton of engagement, you know you have some two thousand plus posts, um, and you may look at Rina's feed and think, oh my gosh, how could I ever get this? So please take us back to those early days where you were posting pictures of your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go back that far? <laughs> I actually did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, uh, there were a lot of pictures of just, I don't know, like pictures of with you with your friends, I guess. But I don't know if you were using Instagram for your business back then or if that was just more like a social sharing platform. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't really know what I was doing uh, when I joined Instagram. I actually resisted it. Uh, much like I am currently resisting TikTok uh, because I was so familiar with Facebook at the time. Yeah. And so when I started posting, I really didn't know what or why or for what purpose, really. I didn't have a purpose. I guess that's a good way to say it. I didn't have a purpose for what I was posting. I was just playing around with the platform and kind of seeing, you know, how I felt about using it, sharing things that I was doing that I thought people might like. And I think what happens really easily on the platform you start to end up being a lot like everybody else because we get caught up in numbers we get caught up in engagement yeah. and as much as we want to fight it there is there is that sense of validation when something does take off when something does get well received um and that's kind of how we've been conditioned on social media right and we're trying to break away from it but it is really a process but in the beginning you can really get worked up in the numbers and and then you just start, well, you start mimicking what others are doing. It's like, well, this person is doing really well and this is what they're posting. So I'm going to start posting like that. And so that's kind of where my journey ended up being at some point. Like I started with like no idea what it was, really terrible filtered photos of like my lunch, <laughs> my workouts and stuff like that. So it's always kind of been fitness based because that's always been something that I, that's been part of my life. And, you know, when I got pregnant, I started posting a little bit about my pregnancy experience and what I was doing to stay active during my pregnancy. But a lot of that narrative was still based around what I thought people wanted to see. And that was based on what I saw other people posting. Mm -hmm. 
So it really wasn't necessarily authentic to me. It was more of like trying to be somebody that I'm not. And at the time I had a full-time job, so I wasn't running a business. So I didn't really have any real objective Mm -hmm. or a why behind I was doing it. I think that, you know, you hit on something that a lot of people feel when they feel resistance to social media because it doesn't feel like them. It feels like Mm -hmm. they're playing a role. It feels like they're pushing a version of themselves out for public consumption in a way that doesn't feel authentic. And so what made a change for you? What was the trigger? What was the catalyst? A few years ago, this was before I got pregnant with my daughter and she's three and a half now. You know, I was getting tired of what I was seeing on social media Mm -hmm. because what I was trying to do at the time now at this point I'll put some context into this is when I started personal training my son was finally in in preschool and so I was moving out of that primary caregiver role into working part-time right again after my son was born and so this was a big transition for me as well and what I realized at some point that I was doing so much of on social media was really trying to garner the attention of other fitness professionals in Toronto. Hmm. And now I look back and I'm like, why? <laughs> why did I need their <laughs> validation? Right. Yeah. But it, there was something in me that wanted to connect with the community because, you know, as an entrepreneur, when you're working as a personal trainer in a gym and you're renting this space, it's not there's not necessarily a huge community. It takes time to build. And so when you want to develop a network of professionals, I had a a network of other mothers who were also business owners. And that was a great support network for me. I also wanted to connect with people in the fitness industry. Well, what I kept finding is I kept running into this wall on social media was that everybody was much younger than me. They were either single or in that phase of life where they're not quite settled down. Maybe they chose not to settle down. There was no kids in the picture yet, um, or if at all, like there, there were just a very different lifestyle than myself and being South Asian, being a parent and kind of finding your way through the fitness industry is, is unusual because you're a bit of an anomaly. You're not typical. And at the time, I felt like that was working against me because I thought I needed to be typical in order to succeed. And so a lot of what I was talking about or posting about was really either trying to gain some kind of credibility within the fitness industry by saying, look at how much I know, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm a mom and that I, you know, that I'm brown and that we don't typically see brown women working out. This is the stuff that I know. And also, you know, trying to hit those aesthetic goals. So I had to look a certain way. Mm. And so when you look a certain way, you're posting in a certain way, you're posing in a certain way. So if you scroll far back enough in my feed, Uh you'll see a lot of gym selfies and like sports bras and like body shots and stuff like that. Because this is what social media teaches us is that if you're going to show some skin, then you're going to get popular, right? Yep. But we know that that's not true anymore. I think for a certain audience still may ring true, but you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that even really quote unquote worked for me. It was because it was not authentic to me. I was doing it out of playing a role that I thought I had to be. Yeah. And so there was this pivotal moment when I realized I was going through my, my feet and I realized that everybody I followed was a young fitness professional who was white 
thin, able-bodied. We all had kind of had that similar lifestyle. It looked nothing like mine. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, they were in a different phase of their life. And I thought, wow, no wonder I don't feel like I fit in. No wonder I don't feel like I'm good enough. No wonder I have imposter syndrome. None of these people are relatable to me and I'm not relatable to them. And I learned this through like those engagement pods that became popular at some point because at the, when you post, you engage with your pod. And I just realized that everything that we were posting was just not relatable to me. And what I was sharing was not relatable to them. Of course it wasn't because we were just completely different people with different values and different lifestyles. And that was really it for me. And I realized that I was like, I need to diversify my feed. And I hate using that word, but I really needed to find more people that looked like me, that kind of lived the life that I lived, aligned with my values and my beliefs. So that's when I started talking about why representation matters. Because our content was unrelatable to each other. I said, you know what? This is enough. I'm not going to be doing this anymore. And I kind of started talking more about representation, why that was important. And when I started talking about that, it really resonated with a very certain, with a very specific audience. And I was like, this feels authentic. This feels more like me. Uh-huh. And this is where I'm going to keep coming from. So it was a very slow evolution, but it's, it's really started there. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, it was a very, very challenging pregnancy for me. And, you know, I ran into some physical challenges that took me to pelvic floor physio. And again, people were asking questions because my audience now was starting to be more like myself. They were South Asian. They were parents. They didn't know where fitness fell into their, into their world. We all had very similar kind of experiences and shared values there. And so when I started talking about public floor physio, people were like, say what now? <laughs> What's happening? I actually documented a recording every single time I went to a public floor physio appointment. I was going weekly at the time. And I described what was happening in those appointments. And that was really, you know, uh, another turning point because people are like, wow, like nobody talk. first of all, nobody talks about this. Second of all, if you're South Asian, we're not talking about our pelvic floors and pregnancy pain and discomfort and what you can actually do to help it. And so it became a point of conversation. And I realized that this is the kind of stuff that people want to be hearing about and talking about. We just don't know where to find that. And so I wanted to start becoming that voice to share my experiences. One, because when we share our experiences, it's healing in a way. And two, we can connect with each other. So it just kind of kept going from there. And the more that I started sharing more of my personal journey through that pregnancy, my postpartum experience, the mental health aspect that weaved into it, you know, the diet culture piece that weaved into it, then we hit a pandemic. Like it was just a wave of life that took me through, you know, a lot of ups and downs. And that was what people wanted to talk, talk about because they were either they had been there or they were going through it or they were, you know, kind of finding their way through it too, like I was. And that's what makes you relatable when you become more human to people. Mm. Social media has this way of putting people on pedestals to say, if you eat like me, work out like me, sleep like me, live like me, then you can be happy like me and look how happy I am on social media and look how good I look on social media. It's very materialistic. 
in my experience, we've moved from wanting to be like these people to becoming more human. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I find what, what helps grow a community is the human aspect of it. Mm. People don't want to see picture perfect. They want to see human. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, you can see that in the engagement that's there on your posts. People are responding to what you're saying. For me, it is not only sharing my experience and, you know, support and resources and maybe some statistics for people to get a better understanding of the reality of the situation, but also to get them thinking in a different way, Mm. right? When we start sounding like everybody else and talking about the same things as everybody else, you just become part of the noise. As a fitness account, there's so many things that I could just keep talking about, like how to get your workout in and why it's important for you to work out and, you know, make sure you eat to fuel your workouts. And like, that's <laughs> great, but those are dime a dozen. There's lots of people doing really great content on those things. And that's what they talk about. So that's great. But I don't want to be part of that noise. Yeah. I want to be part of the corner of the internet that kind of gives people a moment to pause and think about something other than their body weight. Because mm-hmm. those are that's one of the least interesting things about us is our weight and our shape and our size. But we become obsessive about that, right? <laughs> so let's think about the world on a in a bigger picture. Yeah. And when we start to think about the world and our power in that world in a different in a different way, all of a sudden we stop obsessing about these mediocre things that society has told us to to obsess about, like the size of our pants. And we start caring about what's going on in the world and how our voice and how our experience can make a difference and actually create a positive impact in our community. Yeah, absolutely. Two things from that. One, have you ever gotten backlash as a result of being vocal on social media about your politics? I mean, I've I've seen your your posts and your stories like protesting the, the Supreme Court leaked opinion by Roe v. Wade. Um, and and you talk about all kinds of political stuff. Do you feel like it's because you are just a woman on the internet with an opinion? It's like, you know, Laurie Penny writes, a woman's opinion is a short skirt of the internet. It doesn't matter what the opinion is. Or do you feel like it's because you're wading into these waters that you are seeing a backlash if there is one? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter where where your opinion lies. If you're going to talk about controversial topics people will get controversial about it and the benefits in my case outweigh the bad there will always be bad apples there are people who don't like that I don't talk about weight loss Uh at the very basic of it they're just like well you don't talk about weight loss you don't support weight loss you don't care about people's people's health (laughs) it's just like that is the opinion that you have formed based on very little that you actually know about me when you talk about things like abortion rights and representation and the importance of diversity, there will be people who get uncomfortable by it. So that's really, it it ends up being on them. It's a reflection of them, right? Mm -hmm. If they're feeling discomfort, why are they feeling discomfort? And are they willing to lean into that discomfort? And what I've learned is that the people who don't want to lean into that discomfort and feel really offended or they're just straight up uncomfortable, they don't want to be in the space, they are welcome to leave. That is a beautiful part about social media. We don't have to announce that we're leaving. We don't have to share our opinions or how much we hate your opinion. You can just leave. You can shut me off and that's fine. And a lot of people do walk away. Mm -hmm. So you will see 
when you start talking about these things or certain things that there will be a big drop Mm -hmm. in your numbers and that's okay we have to be okay with that because that really is on them and they don't want to hear about it some people believe that you know as a business owner or as you know a fitness professional you should really just stick to fitness and stick Mm -hmm. to business Mm -hmm. except it's all interconnected right my business is political my fitness is political I work with pre and postpartum people. That is political. I didn't choose to make it political. It just is, right? You can choose how much energy you have to expend, right? And a lot of people say, well, how do you, how do you put that stuff out there? And it's like, there are people who do this work full time and that is a whole other level of commitment. For me, just as your regular person on the internet, living her life, who wants to talk about things that are important to her, do I have the energy one to actually share about this? Do I have the energy to engage? If I don't have the energy, am I willing to shut it down and walk away for a little bit? You know, these are things you have to protect your own space and energy and time. And there have been times when I've had to actually lock down my account, go private for a couple of days and like lay low because there was a whole flood of people outside of my community coming in and making all kinds of um, really, um, uncomfortable comments. And so I, I shut things down and came back when I was ready. But when you are putting yourself out there like that, to some degree, you have to have these conversations, right? Because you're opening that door for the community. And if you're not willing to engage, then maybe that's okay. You're not ready. And that's okay too. You don't have to talk about things if you don't want to, right? That's, that's a perfect segue to, uh, my next question which is kind of the flip of what you're doing. I mean, there's great power in vulnerability and in sharing, um, but everybody gets to decide what they're comfortable sharing publicly. And there are lots of people who don't feel like putting their personal lives out there. And do you ever struggle with that boundary? And if you do, like, do you have internal guidelines about when you post? I'll give you an example. I have an eight-year-old and I never show his face on social media just because that's not something that I want to do. And so Mm -hmm. that is my boundary. Do you have sort of similar guidelines for yourself or do you have a struggle with how much to share versus how much not to? Absolutely. And I think everybody does. Years ago, I I felt like I had to share everything, right? Let's just share a little bit of everything. And so I was constantly trying to share. And I think over the last couple of years, I've just, I'm tired. (laughs) Um, And I show less and less of my children on social media. You won't see their faces on my main feed anymore. If you do, it's maybe once in a while. And then every now and then I might show a little bit on stories. I also have let go of this notion that I have to post every day. Mm-hmm. There are people out there who be like, you have to post once a day or twice a day. It's a lot of freaking pressure to be able to create content like that. Yep. As business owners, as parents, as people who have lives, we cannot constantly be creating you know, and even as content creators, there are people who go on these big creative um, upswings, right? And they're just creating, 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 creating. But then you will notice that though even the best creators will take a break because that creativity will come down at some point. You need to step away. Mm-hmm. And we can't expect people to come out with valuable content that they're creating every single day. Like that's, that's a, you don't expect an artist to to do one painting every single day or for a writer to write an essay every single day. Like why are we expecting content creators to create every single day? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about this idea of pressure. I look at your feed and I think to myself, Rina's a writer. Do you ever think of your, do you think of yourself as a writer? Or have you ever? No, but that is a really big compliment. <laughs> that is a, thank you. That is a really big compliment. No, no. I see writing as a skill and it's something that I have worked on tirelessly over the years. And I still think I have a long way to go. What I will say about that is that the more I started to share what felt right to me that aligned with who I am and my values and my beliefs, the easier the words flow. Mm -hmm. And the more I find that resonates with others. I completely agree. I mean, I, I, I would even go one step further and say that like the energy with which you write comes across in your words. And if you're not feeling it that day and you're feeling it the next day, there's something different that, that gets transmitted. Just when you're, when you're, you know, when you have that idea and you're like burning to get it on, you're like, I have to write this down now. I don't know if this ever happens to you. I sometimes stop at traffic lights and like write down things <laughs> because I can't wait to like get home. You, you don't really think of yourself as a writer, but you have worked at it. Can you talk a little bit about how you worked at it? Well, like anything else, the more you practice, uh-huh. the better you get. And, you know, part of practicing is doing things that you don't necessarily want to do, like write blog posts and write newsletters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my newsletter, oh my goodness. It's allowing yourself, like you said, like there's times when you know the words are going to flow and you're feeling really like you feel that energy and you want to get it out. So it's allowing myself to be able to do that in the moment, mm-hmm. but also not force myself to put something out there when I don't feel like it's quite where I want it to be, but I'm not going to post for the sake of posting. Do you know what I mean? And this is why we have to let go of that notion that we have to post once a day or twice a day. You don't have to, right? This, these are arbitrary rules that people put out there to keep us to keep us really on the platform for a longer amount of time. But if you don't, if you're not feeling it, then people reading it will know that. I notice that in my own post, sometimes I'll put stuff out there that I'm not 100% on, but I'm like, no, it's done. I'm going to put it out there. It doesn't sit the same way as something that I know that I've taken the time or really felt passionate about writing about. Yeah, that's that energy. Absolutely. Yes, that's exactly what you're talking about. It does transmit and people do feel it and people do receive it. And this is why a lot of the time, you know, I get people who are like, well, why don't you engage with my posts? It has nothing to do with you. It just doesn't sit with me. It's not relatable to me. Or for me, it feels like noise. Because again, there's people out there who are trying to, again, they're going through the, they're going through the motions. They're trying to figure out who they are and what their purpose is for being on this platform, other than it being a popularity contest. And so you're just doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And you're just, to me, you're sounding like everybody else. So if, you were a social media coach for the rest of this podcast interview instead of a fitness coach. And I, I asked you. <laughs> you don't want to hire me as a social media coach. <laughs> well, if I asked you, what's the best advice to give our listeners if they are stuck with social, whether it's like a mindset thing, you know, any, any big picture tips, any concrete tips? Yeah, I would say really like before you even hit go on social media, and I feel like this is part where, you know, as business owners, we're like, oh, we have to get on social media. It's like, but do you have to? Do you have to? You you actually don't have to be on social media to run a successful business. You can be on social media. 
But again, that's time, energy, commitment. And what is the purpose of it? And what are your company values that you're going to transmit through that? My favorite accounts are aligned in their message, their values, their beliefs, what they're selling. I don't even care what they're selling at that point because their message resonates with me. To me, it leaves me something to think about. It leaves me with something new that I've learned. It leaves me with, you know, a positive feeling, right? So we have to know what are we putting out there? Why are we doing it? Like, what is the purpose? What is the impact that you want to make? How do you want to use your voice on social media? We have been given platforms to use our voices. That is a gift. You know, everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they can share that is true and authentic to them. And you have an opportunity to share that. So, you know, for anybody who is not sure where they are, take a step back and really look at why are you on this platform? What is it that you want to achieve being here? And it can be fun. It doesn't have to be business related, right? You can just have something for fun because you want to share and you want to write. You know, if you're a writer, if you want to get better at writing or if you want to get better at video editing or whatever it is that you want to do, you have some creativity in you that you want to get out. So really hone in on what it is that you want to do and why you want to do it and then go with it. Yeah, that is really profound. What is your message to the world? Well, thank you so much, Rina, for doing this interview. It's been a pleasure to meet you. And honestly, I learned a lot. And I'm sure that our listeners will too. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs>